I've been, I've literally been studying for this sermon. Actually, it was intended to be a series of sermons, but I think God had other plans and it's going to be a singular sermon uh, entitled Bows and Arrows. And so I've been, I've, I've been talking to myself for like three weeks or four weeks or more saying, I need to go get, I need to do two things. I needed to talk to some people like uh, Mr. Wayne Brazier or Dude Henry or Nikki who works at the Outdoorsman. There's a, there's a uh, Social Media or whatever you call it. But anyways, uh, they have get great prices. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Um, I was like, okay, I need to get with them, and I'm going to get them to come and do something for me and bring their bow and arrow. And then, um, but it's been busy. It's been crazy. So I got, I sat down in my chair last night to go over. Uh, I preached to myself. <laughs> it's you know, uh, literally, in fact, Josh is my next door neighbor, and one night he thought Christina and I were fighting, and the next day he was like, I, he was almost afraid to ask me what was going on, he was like, dude, were you and Christina fighting last night? I was like, no, I was practicing my sermon, <laughs> and he was like, man, you were loud, <laughs> and so, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm passionate, but anyways, um, but I was th- I sat down literally in my chair last night to start going over my sermon for the last time for today, and it dawned on me as soon as I hit the seat of the chair that I do not have a bow and arrow and I needed it for my illustration but this is how good God is I went to Walmart how many love going to Walmart last minute for hallelujah glory to God some of y'all are crazy and y'all hang out at Walmart I don't know what y'all's problem is but anyways I'm just kidding but I went to Walmart last night and literally at nine o'clock this is the only bow and arrow this is a kid's bow and arrow because I don't want to be dangerous and kill myself or someone else uh don't worry I'm not gonna shoot it at you and this last one for $10. Ain't God good for $10? That's what I'm talking about. And, and Lena will be trying to grab it. But anyways, this morning, uh, I'm going to be sharing a message with you that I've entitled uh, Bows and Arrows. If you watch Stephen Furtick, I came up with this first. For those five or ten of you, he stole my idea. I'm just plugging. Some of you have no idea. A famous preacher a few weeks ago brought out a bow and arrow, and he said some of the same things I'm going to say today. And I'm just telling you, Jesus told me first. And so for those of you who watch Stephen Furtick, or watch his little Facebook videos, I thought of this, or Jesus told me first, so I'm just throwing that out there. But anyways, God gave me this sermon, and, and uh, he gave me this message several weeks ago, and I thought it was going to be a series, but we're going to be talking about bows and arrows. And the scripture we're going to use this morning is uh, Psalm uh, 127. We're going to be reading the whole psalm. So if you, if you have your Bibles, uh, I brought my Bible today. Hey, it's even more anointed because I got the Bible. It's got my name on it. Jesus is all, all crazy about me today. But anyways, uh, 127, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, we'll have it on the screen. Um, this, and this is what I want you to pay attention to. This is a song written from, from David to Solomon. How many know it's important to have sons and daughters and fathers and mothers in the kingdom of God? It is important that we have every generation represented. It is important that in the kingdom of God, not just this church, it's important that from the oldest to 120 down to infant and newborn, that we have the entire church of Christ represented in each church individually because each age group has something to offer. And so this is a, this is a letter or a psalm that was written from David to Solomon. This is what it says. Verse 1 says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. How many hates wasting time? I hate wasting time. Because it's one thing you can't get back once you lose it. In vain, or in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those who, uh, who he loves. 
Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. And like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Now listen to this. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Today, and I'm going to get to this in a little bit, but I, I wanted to share some things with you out of my own personal life. Um, I've, I've, I, I was lucky in a lot of ways. I didn't grow up in church. Um, I grew up, my parents weren't atheists or agnostic, but uh, because of things that happened to me whenever I was a kid, around five or six years old, I decided, hey, um, I don't believe in God anymore. I spent probably uh, eight to ten years uh, feeling that way. And, and my parents, they were great parents, but they weren't uh, church-going people. And that, you know, just is what it is. They're great parents. I love my parents, but they just weren't church-going people. So I did not have um, spiritual fathers or mothers to speak into my life. And so one day, and th- I'm not going to tell my whole testimony, but the reason I got saved is uh, literally I wasn't going to church, wasn't doing anything different or spiritual. I was still listening to crazy music and doing crazy things and uh, whatever else. And uh, I had a dream one night. And God spoke to me through that dream, and um, without going into all the all of it, I woke up the next morning, and it was the it was the heaviest burden I'd ever felt in my life. And I knew that I had to get up, and I had to get saved. And I, I'll tell you how convincing this dream was. I called five of my biggest partying friends, and I and I sounded crazy because I called them at like seven o'clock. I was like, man, I had this crazy dream, and it turns out. I thought Jesus wasn't real, but Jesus is real, and I got to get saved because if I don't, I'm going to go to hell. And I just want you to know because I don't want you to go to hell, so I'm just letting you know I'm going to get church. I'm going to school today to get saved. And uh, <laughs> you got to think it's 7 o'clock in the morning, and uh, one friend was like, are you drunk? <laughs> like, Because that's the kind of life I lived. And I was like, I got to go back. <laughs> so he probably thought I was drunk. Um, but anyways, so I hung up, and I, I called my friends, and I went to school, and, uh, and there was a spiritual father there. How many know that the life you live is important? It doesn't matter if you're 9 or you're 10 or you're 20 or you're 30 or you're 70. First of all, you're not too young. Second of all, you're not too old. Because anything and everything you do, somebody's watching you. And your life is a ministry. And it is important that at all times you are a good representation of Christ. And luckily, I didn't have fathers or or mothers in the faith to speak into my life when I had these questions. But I did have a teacher at O'Bannon High School that I knew he was a preacher. And not only was he a preacher, he acted like a preacher when he wasn't behind the pulpit. That's important. And it's also good to act like a Christian when you're not in the pews. Just throwing that out there, too. And so... I went, I said, okay, I got to go to school, I'm going to go to school, I went to school, and, I, and this guy, he, and if you maybe watched the video a few weeks ago, this guy actually passed away a few, few weeks ago, and, and I did a video of this, but, but anyways, I, I went straight to school, I knew he, he was in front of the cafeteria in the morning, and I went to him and I said, uh, Reverend Moore, uh, I don't even know what I'm talking about, I don't know what this means, but I know I need to get saved. And, 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 and right there in front of the school cafeteria in a public school, whenever, uh, whenever t- teachers aren't supposed to pray with students and all those things, because uh, I'm not that old, you know, it, it was still active then. Uh, he could have lost his job, but he didn't care. He sat there in front of the cafeteria and prayed with me and, and, and helped me uh, get a relationship with Jesus, helped me, uh, led me to salvation. And that's huge. And, and Reverend Moore became a spiritual father to me. I would not be, I can almost guarantee maybe God had a different story or a different plan, maybe I would be, but I don't think I would be standing behind a pulpit and I don't think I would be Pastor Jay if it weren't for this man of God not because he was a preacher, but because he loved God. If it were not for this man of God that spoke in my life. And there were three men of God that, that did that. First one was Reverend Moore. And, it, and I remember every time I'd go by him, he'd say, hey, preacher, where's your Bible? 
And so some of you are like, well, that, that doesn't mean a big deal. But I promise you, as a teenager who I'm trying to find my way and I have no idea what it means to be a Christian and I have no idea what it means to follow God and I'm still dabbling in sin, for him to look at me every day, not with judgment, because teachers know. I mean, not only teachers, adults know whenever kids are messing up. Is that true? We may not always call it out, but we know. And so it was, it was amazing that every day he'd come to me and say, Preacher, where's your Bible? Preacher, where's your Bible? Bless God. Hallelujah. It was, it was amazing because every day he was a support system for me, even whenever he didn't even understand the kind of scrutiny I was under because of, because of the, the drastic lifestyle change that I had made. He was a support system for me. He was a father in the faith. The second father in the faith I had uh, was a guy named Larry Evans. A lot of you guys know him. He was a pastor of Family Worship Center. And um, I, I believe God used Reverend Moore as a support, and uh, he, he, he was my support system. And then he used Larry Evans as an expectation system because Larry, he was all about support. But I'll never forget one day I was, I was standing in as youth pastor, and I was kind of lost. And he, he had taken me in, and I had been hurting. And uh, I had a bad situation happen, but I wanted to do ministry, so he took me in. And, and I'll tell you how arrogant and dumb I was. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I first talked to Larry, this, this is a phone call I, I made to him. I said, don't laugh at my ring. Had bad service. <laughs> Anyways, he said, hello. Because he had a deep voice, and he sounded like, sound like a preacher at all times. So bless God. How, how was he doing? Anyways, and so I said, uh, is this Larry Evans? I didn't call him Pastor Larry. This is how crazy I was. And he said, uh, uh, yes, who am, I, who am I speaking with? I said, this is Toys and Jimmy's grandson, and I need to know if I, if I can serve under you. <laughs> I, I, he's like, um, excuse me? And I said, I need to know what kind of man you are, so I want to come and talk to you before I come to your church. I was three times a gun. Oh, my gosh. I could not believe. I can't believe he even didn't hang up on me. But anyway, so that's our first interaction. We met, and, and here's the thing that Larry Evans did for me. Reverend Moore supported me, but Larry Evans, Pastor Larry Evans, he put some expectations on me. I'll never forget one day I, I was in college, and I was doing MIP, and I was or I was getting ready to do MIP, I was studying for my licensure, the first license, and I was, I was stressed out, and we'd only been having one or two kids every Wednesday because it was a small church. And I called Larry one day, and I said, uh, Pastor, I just can't be there tonight, can you take care of my kids? He said, no, it's your responsibility, and you're going to be at church tonight. If I said that to some of y'all, that'd be the last time I saw y'all. Jesus, y'all be saying, that, that preacher's mean, he ain't going to talk to me that way. Well, dang, a lie, that's exactly what I said, too. <laughs> I, hung, I said, well, I guess I'll be there. And I hung up the phone, and I ain't going to say what I said because it was disrespectful. But he don't know I said it either, so it's okay. Just It's between me and Jesus. But what was cool about Larry is that he gave me a system of expectation, and he became a father figure to me in the faith. And again, if it were not for Larry, Pastor Larry, um, I would not be who, who or what I am or who I am today. And the third one I'm going to share with you today about, and then I'm going to get into my sermon. I guess this is part of my sermon. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use someone in here that everyone knows because he is someone that you may not even realize the impact he's had on me, but Brother Pete Waddell, um, he, he's had a, 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 he doesn't even know this. I don't even really tell him this. It's just something that's been in my heart, and I don't mean to embarrass him. I'm sorry if I did. Um, but we need more Pete's, and there are other people in here that I could say this about, but I'm going I'm to use Pete today. Um, I started out at Family Worship Center. That was my first church that I served at, and that's why it's so close to my heart um, because there were several things that happened while I was there that, you guys that were there, you showed such a great amount of love for me and acceptance. And Brother Pete, whenever I was there, uh, Reverend Moore represented support. Larry, 
uh, presented or gave me some expectations, but Keith is one of those guys that gave me love for no reason. He is, if you know Keith, if you don't know him, you need to get to know him, but Keith is one of those people, and there are more people like that in this house, but specifically Keith, he's one of those people that it didn't matter what I did, he, he was just, he just loved me every day I saw him. He, and even to this day, I think of whenever I make actions or I make decisions, or I take actions, I make decisions, um, I think about Keith. I'm like, well, you know, I remember that time I did this, and, and Keith knew this happened, but he still looked at me the same. And so, Urban Morris, he supported me. Larry put some expectations on me, and, and Brother Pete, he was just great at loving me. And that's why we need fathers in the faith. Fathers and mothers in the faith. Because the truth is, is that without those three people, I would not be who I am today. I would not be where I am today. And it's not just about me and where I'm at. My point is that the kingdom has been established in a way that we can't just have a job. Come here, Josh. We can't just have a Josh. You want to know why? Because Josh was never in a Brush Arbor revival. Josh has never, he's never known what it's like to go to camp meeting without the walls on the building because we haven't built them yet. Josh doesn't know what it's like to have those 10-hour revivals where you go home in the morning. Go ahead, you can go sit down now. But on the other hand, come here, Brother Lane, do you mind me using you? But on the other hand, you're a bad example because you have too much energy. But I'm going to use you anyway. But on the other hand, our older saints, y'all get tired. How many of you are above 60 and you like naps more than you like work? Let's be honest now. Come on, you can go sit down, Brother Josh. Thank you. Brother Wayne is a horrible example. He was the closest one to me. That's all I could get. Well, this, well, anyways, my point is, is that God has called us to be a multi-generational church. He didn't call us to have a church full of Joshes. He didn't call us to have a church full of Waynes. He didn't call us to have a church full of Bellinies because I'm having to pay for her. She can't pay no tithe and offering. Glory to God. God has called us to be one body with multi-generations represented. Why? Because we all have different strengths. And we have to be a church that we don't divide over our differences of opinion, but we unite because united we can do some crazy things. If I take my strengths with Brother Pete's strengths and we put them together instead of allowing them to be oppositional forces, then we can make a real kingdom, real difference in the kingdom of God. Like you take a bow and arrow, for example. You take a bow and arrow, and you take them individually. I can beat the mess out of somebody with this bow, and it would hurt. I could take, I, I can think of some people right now, I'm just <laughs> But I could take this, this bow, and if I, were, if I had to defend myself, I could do it okay. But it's still limited. I could take this arrow by itself that's not pointy. Made sure I got a not pointy arrow. And by itself, I could still defend myself to an extent. But but separate, this bow and arrow is not as effective if you don't use them like they were designed to be used. You see, a bow and arrow was not designed to be used separately. A bow and arrow was created thousands of years ago, and I'm not going to go into how old the earth is. I'm just telling you, this is an old weapon that has endured the test of time. Why? Because it works. 
There are some things in the kingdom of God we don't have to recreate the wheel because they work. My grandpa used to tell me, if it's not broke, don't fix it. There are some things in the kingdom of God we don't have to modernize and we don't have to find new ways to do it because it works and it works well. The anointing works well. The Holy Spirit works well. We don't have to renew those things, but we do. Somebody say we do. We do have to figure out a better way to deliver the gospel to a generation that wasn't alive 50 years ago when there wasn't cell phones. My generation doesn't receive information the same way that an older person's generation did. An older person's generation, you, you guys are used to Sunday school teaching and really deep in-depth teaching in the Bible. And those things are good and those things are needed. But my, my generation is used to a thing called Vine. Where you've got six seconds to make a difference. It's literally a, a it's, Vine is actually dead now, just so you guys know, but... But it was actually something that was huge for several years. And literally, you had six seconds to make an entertaining video. My generation is used to Hot Topic. And so as a church, if we're going to be effective, we have to find ways to not change the anointing. Not try to change how we even, we can't create the anointing. We don't need to try to. We can't manipulate the Holy Ghost and we don't need to try to. But we need to continually find ways to minister to people that are unchurched or dechurched. And for years, the enemy has been trying to separate the bow from the arrow. Come on, somebody. The enemy's trying to come into churches and get us arguing about music and about the way we deliver messages and should we do this and should we do that. And I don't like this. He's not wearing, he's got jeans on. Somebody, I tell you one of the coolest things one time at Family Worship Center, I didn't wear no shoes and I had holes in my blue jeans. Only one person complained about it that I know of. <laughs> Somebody else did it, don't tell me. I got a good mind about that. But the church is under attack and we, we act like we're fighting each other. I feel the Holy Ghost. We act like we're, we're on the same team. Come on, somebody. We're not fighting. The Bible says we fight against principalities and high powers and, and all those things. We're not fighting people. We are fighting the devil. And he's trying to divide the church so we're so messed up and worried about things that we forget we're on the same team. Devil's trying to divide bows and arrows because we can be semi-effective, but we're not as effective if we don't have each other. Look at the person next to you and say, I need you. There's a country song popped in my head. I wish I could sing it. Jesus. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'll ruin the anointing. I won't do it. The enemy's been trying to separate these bows and these arrows. Here's the thing. We need strong bows. Why? Because they have experience. I talked to somebody the other day, and they said, we've been there, got about 10 t-shirts. I know. That's why we need you. We need older saints in the church that are active and investing because you guys have experience that I don't have, that you've been to places in the spirit and in churches and in church history. You know things that I don't know. And so it would be dumb. Somebody say dumb. You guys say it just like that, dumb. 
it would be dumb if I were to say I don't need someone who's 40 and above because I know better than you. I don't know better than you. You've been there. You've done that. You've done it a couple times. And I could come to you and use your wisdom and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. You're going to say, well, we've tried that before, and these are the problems. See, that's the good thing about having older people around you because they've done things that you're thinking about, and we younger people can go to them and say, hey, what do you think about this? We need older saints for their experience. We need older saints for their knowledge. I'm not going to use the S word, but it has to do with like a vacuum cleaner. Another S word. My generation stinks at studying. This is going to be honest with you. I love studying because apparently I was a jock in high school and God saved me and turned me into a nerd. I love studying. Never read a book before. I was 23. It's crazy. But my generation, or 22 or something, I don't know. I'm getting old enough to forget, forget ages. <laughs> but anyway, some of you are like, you're not old, you're still a baby. I'm not a baby, I change a baby, I'm somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Anyways, but my generation stinks at studying. We think that we can have an experience and that's going to get us through. But the thing about experiences is they change. In fact, the Bible says that if you, if you take a man through goes by his emotions, he's going to be blown around from here and there. But whenever you have the word of God invested in your heart, then you have something solid to stand on because the Bible says that the word of God will stand and not a jot or tittle will be removed from it. And so it's going to last. And what my generation doesn't have that the older generation does is knowledge. We need older generational people to speak into the lives of my generation. You're, look, if you're an older person, 45 or 50, look to somebody or maybe just say to yourself, I'm not done yet. Come on now, I'm not done yet. God is not through with me. If you, Let me tell you something today, whether you're 10 or 100, if you're not dead, you're not done. You're not dead, you're not done. Don't try to go out in front of traffic because you don't want to do nothing. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> don't be trying to cop out on me because you don't want to do nothing in the kingdom now. We need your knowledge because my generation, we think we can get by on experience but not on the word. Need your experience. And you know what? We need your common sense because something that my generation does not have in a lot of ways is common sense. And I'm just going to leave that there. And the last thing we need from, not the last thing, the last thing we'll talk about this morning before I move on to my arrows is we need your faithfulness. Younger people, if you're in here, you see all these older people, all these seasoned saints, they made it. It doesn't matter if we disagree about music. It doesn't matter if we disagree about, about I'm just going to step on it. I'm just going to go out there. It don't matter if we disagree about lighting or, or the looks or it doesn't. They have something that we need. They made it. And they still love Jesus. And we can disagree about anything and everything. But one thing we have to know is God has done something in their lives that has sustained them. And, I want, and young people, I want you to think about something. Think about your youth group and how many people were in your youth group versus how many people are in your church. And tell me we don't need old people to, older people, I'm sorry, older people to teach us how to be faithful. Think about your youth group versus your church and see how many of those youth group kids are still in church today. And tell me we don't need someone to teach us how to be faithful. You are crazy. 
if you don't think you need older saints to teach us how to be faithful. Y'all said I could be pastor, so I'm a pastor. Is that okay? I done made the younger generation mad, starting with the youngest one in here. But here's the thing. The devil's trying to separate our bows from our arrows, so we need strong bows, but we also need strong arrows. We need, why do we need strong arrows? Well, I'm, I'm going to be careful because I, hopefully you guys know my heart, and I'm never going to get behind the pulpit and preach a private message. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. Uh, it may seem awkward or say, you know, if the devil ever tries to tell you, well, he's preaching to me because of something we talked about. No, I'm not. I will never get behind this pulpit and say something about something I said to somebody just because I'm frustrated about it. I will never do that. You have my word. But God put this on my, on my heart, and I'm going to say some things. And maybe I've already said some things, but I want you to be patient with me because this is what God laid on my heart. We need strong arrows. And this is why. Younger generation, older generation, we need the younger generation's energy. We need their energy because while we've been there and we've done that, life is, God has designed us in the way that we have a birth and we have a death. And as we move closer to the, to the sunset of our lives, our energy runs down. And you were not created to carry the burden beyond that point. There comes a point where it's time for the older generation to pass the torch to the younger generation, not give up, not stop working, not give in and say, well, I'm done, but it's to prepare. Let's go back to our scripture because I wanted to point something out. In our scripture, he says this in, in verse 5. He says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Why is the man blessed? Because he's got a quiver full of arrows. Because he doesn't just have a, a quiver full of useless weapons. A strong church is a church that has a lot of older saints that has prepared a lot of younger saints. Come on, somebody. A strong church is a church that has a quiver full of Joshes and Daniels and of Jessica Iris and Hannah Weeks and some others I'm going to talk about because they ain't here today, but they had prom last night. Hope, and I know they live for Jesus, so I'm not worried about that. But they slept in today, but that's okay. A strong church has quivers full of people full of young people that they have invested in. And they know, remember, this is David talking to Solomon. David knew because of the way he was raising his son that he was leaving the work that he had started in good hands. Think about that. David knew he was leaving the work he had started in good hands. My older saints, it is my hope that Jesus comes back today after lunch. I am hungry. I'm just kidding. It's my hope, but he might not. And if he doesn't, then we need to live our lives in a way that we are investing in the next generation so that whenever I go on to glory, if the rapture doesn't come, then the church is going to be okay because I've invested in people. The devil has...
has been trying to divide our bows and our arrows so that he can make us ineffective. But the truth is, is that the church needs to stand up and say, you know what? We can't be separated because a house divided against itself cannot stand. But if we stand together with our bows and with our arrows, we have wisdom and we have youth. We have the know-how and we have the can-do. We need to unite, not divide, and allow God to use us like he designed us to be used. A while ago, Bellamy came and prayed for us. And I know today's not like that. Today's good, but it's different. And I know that. But it blesses my heart whenever I hear my daughter say, I want to come pray for you. It blesses my heart. You want to know why? Because if I die tomorrow, I know my daughter knows that at least, at least she knows that we stand for Christ. I want to invest in my daughter because I love her. But our church needs to love our next generation just like I love my dad. Why do I love youth ministry? Some of those kids come out there and the first time they're ever told they love, that they're loved is when they come into that room right now. I think about who I was. And, I, and again, I didn't have bad parents. I had great parents. My dad taught me one of the most valuable lessons of my life, which is to tell my wife that she's beautiful and I love her every day. Every day. And my mom, she's like, you, you're lying to me. He won't even tell her. He just goes ahead and doesn't matter if you got a hair did or not. I didn't have bad parents. But what I have learned is this. If I want to be a part of the body, that we are investing in tomorrow so that whenever I'm no longer here and I'm dead and I'm in glory, in my nursing home and I can't do it anymore, I'm going to leave this church or leave the ministry in the hands of young people that I've taught to do this. I've got so much more I want to share with you. I just don't have time. But the gist of it is this. The devil wants us to focus on what's different about us. Let's, let's look at this. This thing's curved. The string's straight. You've got strings. This thing ain't got no string. They look like parts of two very separate things. In fact, you like some people, maybe of the north, and if you don't go hunting, you might, if you see these two things separately, you may not even know what they are. But when you put them together, it takes enough nose that they that they're go together. When you put them together, they're deadly. You go back in history and you look at Whenever bows and arrows were first invented, and they changed warfare. Because instead of hand to hand combat, they could reach an enemy from hundreds of yards away. If you watch certain movies, I don't know if I can say this, one of the best, I gotta say this, one of the best shows I've ever heard. You know, like in the one movie, they, you know, thousands of arrows were shot. And, uh, guy says, we have thousands of arrows that will blot out the sun. And the guy says, well, we'll fight in the shade. I'm like, dang, this guy went in. Anyways, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about, but I tapped into my young person right then. But they, but it revolutionized warfare. And can 
I tell you that if as a church we decide to not recreate the wheel but to follow in the design that God has already established? Now, Pastor Jay, how do you have proof of that? I mean, I've got some proof of that. I don't know that it's going to happen. But let's be real quick. Can y'all give me 10 minutes? If you look in John chapter 20, I think it's 20, after the... After the death and the morning of the resurrection of Jesus, there's a story there that's really important. I've never paid attention to it until a few weeks ago. There's a story there that's really important. Mary is the first person to come to the tomb. Jesus is gone. He's either vanished, and, and they think somebody just stole his body. So she runs back to the disciples. She says, somebody got Jesus. Where is he at? I don't know. Somebody got Jesus. Well, Peter, Peter jumps out his chair and is out the door. Boom. He's gone. And then John the beloved, boom, boom, doo, 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 he's gone right after. Now, Peter leaves first, but Peter and Daniel, if you'll come play for me, or Miss Karen, will you come play for me, please? I'm sorry. Are you here, Miss Karen? Please, will you come play for me? Yeah, I'm doing sign language. Miss Karen, will you come play for me, please? Thank you. <laughs> sorry to embarrass you if, I'm, if I did, I'm sorry. But anyway, so you have Peter who left first. Now, here's the thing about Peter. He was older. Peter was older. And so he ran out first. He got the head start, but then John came up behind him. And not only did John follow him, he caught up with him, and he beat him to the tomb. John was a younger man. But here's what, here's what happened, though. John gets to the tomb. Who knows what he does? He stops. He does not Go in. Why? He didn't know what to do. He beat Peter there. He had the physical ability to get there first. But he didn't know what to do once he got there. He was afraid. He needed direction. And so Peter, who knows what Peter did when he got there? Peter, like an OG, he went right in. He said, boom, I'm, I'm here. He walked right past John and went right in to inspect what was going on. Why? Because Peter wasn't afraid. Peter was experienced. Peter, he, was, he had more courage and experience than John. And this is what I know about John. This is what the Bible says. You can look it up. Somebody say after. After Peter went in, John followed him. Some of us are so angry at the younger generation because they're not doing like they want to do, but maybe it's because we're not leading them like we should. Come on, somebody. And not only did he go in, the Bible says something really important. The Bible says that he believed. He didn't just go in. He followed an older saint. And because the older saint was willing to go and to lead, John believed. I'm going to close with this thought. 
thing. God gave me this, and I just I got to read it to you this week, and I'm going to close with this thought. In fact, it's I'm trying to find it. This is what happens when you don't follow your emotion. You miss one point that's really important. it's on here somewhere, but older saints, I need you to understand this. You cannot speak into a life that you have not invested in. If you don't know me, don't come to me and try to tell me what I'm doing wrong in my personal life. If you haven't invested in me personally, it is going to offend me. If you think you've earned a place, and this is me as a 30-year-old, it's one thing to talk to you about as a pastor, but don't you come to me try to tell me how to raise my kids if you ain't never been to a birthday party. Am I, am I the only one that feels that way? That's not because I'm pastor. Hey, about that. It's that we earn a place to speak into people's life as we invest in them. And we get so angry about this younger generation, but my question to you older saints is how many young people have you invested your time in? How many people have you taken aside in the last 10 years that were not related to you just for the sake of leading them in the ways that they should go? Are you a Reverend Moore that took, and Reverend Moore was an African-American guy, that took a young white kid that was dumb and had a rebel, I'm not, I'm just going to throw it out there, had a rebel flag on the front of my truck. I don't care how you feel about them, but I got my own personal feelings about them. You, you take a black African-American man who didn't look at the flag that was probably offensive to him on the front of my truck. He didn't look at the color of my skin. He saw the need in my soul. And he invested in me when I did not deserve it. You might say, well, these young people, they just get on my nerves. Let them, because they won't grow if you don't go with them. And young people, find you an older saint to learn from. And I'm just going to be honest with you. It's not easy. Bother the mess out of them <laughs> until they are willing to spend time with you. Don't text them. Well, some, some of y'all text. It kind of surprises me sometimes. Call them. Find someone that can invest in your life. You need someone that's been there and done that and can guide you. I needed a Reverend Moore. Reverend Moore needed me just as much as I needed him because he needed to invest and I needed to receive. In the morning, this, this, this morning, if everyone will stand with me. And I'm closing with this. Now, I appreciate you guys giving me a few extra minutes. I'm not going to shoot this. I'm not going to aim it at anyone. But I, I do think about this. Separate. Separately, these two weapons... They're not, they're, they're still, you can still use them and defend yourself, but they're not as effective. But if you put them together, they're deadly. 
And this is what I want to present to you today. It's my heart that we are a church that builds every generation up and that is united under the thought and heart that we just want to see people meet Jesus. doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are, how smart we are, how unsmart we are. We're just here for one purpose, and that's to see people meet Jesus. And if we can do that, if we can put our young people and their energy alongside our old people, older or seasoned, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Our older saints with their wisdom, we're going to be a strong, we, we're strong, but we're going to be a much stronger church if we're able to do that. And so this morning, this is my challenge for you. It may not happen overnight, but my bows, my seasoned saints, if you don't already, find you someone to invest in. You're not done. One of the biggest lies the enemy tries to tell our older generation is that you served your time, you just got to sit on a pew, and you're, you're no longer useful. That's a lie from the pits of hell. We need you. I'm 30 years old. I just turned 30. It broke my heart. Some of you are like, oh, I'm, you know, hey, look, 30 was a big deal, okay? I'm 30 years old, gray hair. I no longer can sound in my 20s. I still like the Taylor Swift song, 22. I'm not going to lie. Kind of make myself feel better. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I think we can move on. We need our older saints, younger people. Don't ever think that because they don't know how to use your iPhone, that they don't know how to lead you. Don't ever think because they don't know how to use your computer, that they don't have anything to offer. We've got to get out of each other's way and start going in the right direction together. How many are with me this morning? So my challenge for you, older saints, seasoned saints, find you someone to invest in. My arrows, my younger people, find someone to invest in you. If you, if all your friends and you, every person you call for advice, my, my arrows, everyone you call for advice is your age, you're getting probably bad advice. Unless they're just, you're calling wise people. You need someone that's been there that can speak into your life that knows. And I know this isn't a shouting hallelujah message, but I think it's needed, and I think it's what I think is good. I think it's good. Let me pray over you this morning. Father God, as we Father God, as we uh, prepare to go into this next season as a church, Lord. Father, I pray that you would teach us. Father, because you, you're the great physician. You, you are the master teacher, Lord God. I, you're the good teacher. Father, I pray that you would teach us, Lord God, how to minister and teach us how to do everything that we're called to do. But Father, I also pray that you would unite us. Father, that you would take 
our bows and our arrows, our young people and our older people, God, and that you would create a sense of unity, Lord God, that we would lean on each other instead of against one another, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit, God, would prepare hearts, Lord. Father, show us the need and the strength that comes with unity in our generation. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for what you're going to do in this church, God. I believe that you're going to touch this city, God. I believe that we are going to be a place of hope, God, and restoration. I believe in the name of Jesus, God, that there are going to be people that come into this place, God, and they're going to receive the hope of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would prepare our hearts to do those things, Lord. I pray for every person here, God. You know every need that's going on in their life. You know every situation. And we pray in the name of Jesus that your hand would be on their lives, God. Protect them and keep them, Lord God. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise before you go. We love you guys. We love you.